0: We are here now with Nick Simmons. Hi, Nick. Nick, I met you before.
1: We met, yeah. We met at the, I think the governor's the governor's house for that press. Is event. Is that
0: what it was? Yeah, I
1: remember that. That was fun. It was. It's the picture on the front page of your website. You, you that pic, did
0: you take that picture? I
1: didn't. I but tried you to were find like my, in that group. I tried to find my head, my big head in the, yeah. in, the <laughs> in the background. Couldn't find it.
0: That was. It's very nice that he does that for press every year. Yeah. At least that I've been to. It's really lovely. He loves it. Yeah. No. It, and he's very friendly about. It. He's very warm about it. So let's begin with that, Nick Simmons. So you worked for Governor Lamont.
1: I did, yeah. I worked for the governor for three years, most recently as Deputy Chief of Staff. That's a big deal. And what is the, what is the job of Deputy Chief of Staff? What do you do? So it looks different for different governors. Um, for me, it was I helped oversee, craft, and implement policy across eight to ten different state offices and agencies. Um, spent a lot of my time on education, workforce development, economic development, transportation, and then kind of a little jack of all trades. How do you get a job like that? Well, for me, I actually joined in 2019.
0: But when you say join, like how do you what are your qualifications? Like how do you get chosen to do something
1: like that? So, it's a windy and zigzag road for me. Um, I, at that time when the governor had won, I was in graduate school getting a master's in public policy and an MBA. Okay. That's Um, a lot of work. It was a lot. It was a three-year program at Harvard and, um, you know, the governor had won. Uh, I did a little bit of work in his campaign, and then his transition team, um, we, I actually joined as a consultant, as a graduate student with a few other students, oh. um, and one of the things they asked us to look into is, we've got a big workforce problem in the state, we have 100,000 open jobs, um, it's one of the governor's top priorities, he talked about it all the time in the campaign, uh, so what do we do about it?
0: In other words, 100,000 <clears> jobs and making a match to find the people in Connecticut to be hired for them, that's the challenge?
1: That's the challenge, yeah. I mean, it's one of the biggest. If you survey companies here and across the country, what are your biggest impediments to growth? Uh, what is you know what is what what's most on your mind? What keeps you up at night almost all the time? They'll say finding enough talent to to fill our jobs. You
0: want to talk about that for a minute? Can we do a side thing before we get to your political career?
1: <laughs> Let's jump in. I can always talk workforce.
0: So. Um I have a son-in-law who works for Amazon Web Services. He's an immigrant. He's from Israel. He's an immigrant. He came here after the Army in his 20s. He went to Georgia Tech, put himself to a college, master's, et cetera. Wow. And he told me that, um, and I'm going to just say this. He said to me that there are no Americans in his group. What I mean by Americans, there may be uh, plenty of people who become naturalized citizens eventually, including he hopes to be very soon, but there are no people who have been educated in America Mm -hmm. who are qualified to be in Amazon Web Services. In a group of people that are writing code and mm-hmm. thinking about ways to create customer service, because that's what Amazon Web Services is. This is about thirty people. Yeah, it's not a hundred. It's not eight. It's about yeah. thirty. And this is very troubling for him because he just, two and a half weeks ago, became a dad for the first time. Ah, I just became a grandma.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. What number grandkid? Number one. Oh, wow. Oh, no. the, wow. The, the number one. Wow. The, the
0: eldest of her generation in our group on both sides, the number one. The
1: princess. Abby,
0: the princess. <laughs> and, right, we'll just be keep giving her crowns as her head gets a little bigger. That's right. And um, But the point is that he has palpable anxiety about whether or not his own daughter will be educated well enough yeah to have the skills necessary to claim her place in the workforce yeah we talk about this every day yeah he feels that Americans don't teach math yeah and we're specifically talking about math
1: yeah well
0: which is the cornerstone of just about everything in that world
1: yep yep well As a former 7th grade math teacher in in Harlem, New York, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I taught. I'm talking
0: uh, to the right person.
1: Well, 7th grade math, you know, it's it's a cornerstone for sure. I I myself had to brush up on my long division and fractions and all that before I took the job. But uh, that's what I did. I I helped found a middle school in Harlem, New York. Uh, I taught 7th grade math. Ultimately became... um,
0: But what were the skill set of the kids when they arrived in your school?
1: Well... My the, the school that I worked at, the sort of median family income hovered around low $30,000 a year.
0: Forget the income.
1: 98% students of college. I
0: understand what you're saying. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But I don't think it's about money.
1: So, I mean, I think each crop of students is, is different. This crop, I felt, was was prepared, which is great. I think our school was great. The school that they were coming to us from was good. And when you say good, what could they do by seventh grade? They could meet. of them were at or above grade level in math.
0: Meaning that if I gave them a multiplication table, they could just do it like that.
1: Multiplication, geometry, problem solving, fractions, negative numbers. Okay, that's
0: pretty encouraging to hear.
1: Yeah. But as a country, you we're know, doing we, abysmally. We rank in the 20s, you know. Uh, you know, but we pay more per student in this country than um, uh, any other country in the world. Uh, but we rank in the 20s, um, and there's a variety of factors that go into that. It's not. It's not because we don't have great teachers. We do. Our teachers are superheroes. Um, but I think you know. When we talk about a social safety net, when we talk about supporting our parents to support their kids, when we talk about um, how we invest in our schools, um, I think that it leaves a lot of students out to dry, families out to dry. Um, when we don't support our, our parents uh, to support our students, whether that's, you know, after school support, summer school, I mean, that's all, all part that.
0: of it, but I, I actually think it's much more nitty gritty than that. You know, um I, I think it's more nitty gritty than that. For example, uh, we have, I've been, I've been reading online about Japan yeah. and their facility with the abacus. Have you heard about what they do with the abacus there? It's unbelievable. Tell me. Um, So they have these training programs for kids that are like four, five, six years old. That's where they get them. Yeah. And uh, they they use this very old tool. It's an abacus, apparently. And they teach mathematics by memory. By means of using this device. So they somehow use this device with their hands and their fingers and they, and it trains their brain to tabulate by memory a lot of different computations. And we know that if we can keep our brain agile like that, that that translates to a lot of other ways of good thinking. Yeah. Right. A lot of other ways of good thinking. I know that a few years ago, more than a few years ago, I have kids that are 36 and 30. The... Math curriculum in our public schools changed, and all of a sudden, teachers had to teach that you could only get the answer one way mm-hmm. when it came to a math problem. Yeah, which is very dispiriting and damaging to a lot of students. Yeah, and it's also not good teaching. It's not. It's not good educational policy, Nick. We're right. chatting with Nick Simmons, so that is my concern that we have these. I don't know who these people are in education who decide one year that the only way we can learn math, for example, is by long division, right. long division, right. where short division might be better for a lot of other kids to get the same answer. And the only thing we care about in math is that the answer right. In math, mm-hmm. it's about the right answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And my daughter had a teacher, and I thank the lucky stars for her, in fifth grade, who taught all the kids four ways to get to the answer. Mm-hmm. And they could choose the way that they like best. Yeah. And so she became a student who said, I can do math. And thinking that she could do math allowed her to be a better
1: student. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I, in our school, I think you're completely right. What we talked about was the, the difference between answer getting and problem solving. hmm Right. right. And the right. skill that matters most is problem solving. That's what's gonna that's what's what you need to set you up and empower you in your career.
0: It is, but there's not only one way to solve a problem. Exactly. That's the point.
1: And there's and, and what it gets really fun is when they when creativity comes into yes. it. Yes. Right. You start to find your own I mean, I learned way more from my students, honestly, than, than I think they learned from me because you'd give the same problem to thirty kids and you'd get to see thirty different ways of tackling it, like you said.
0: So you're in Policy. You want to be state senator. That's why we're here today. Eventually, we'll get around to that conversation. (laughs) And we're chatting with Nick Simmons, and you put your hat in the ring politically. And one of the issues that's risen up right now is that the state legislature passed a 2022 bill that is mandating the teaching this is particularly of reading curriculum in a way that a lot of our successful suburban schools are pushing back and are not getting these waivers that they want to get from the state and they feel like the state is mandating them to teach reading one way when they can show that they've been teaching reading another way and it's been successful if you get to the state senate where do you stand on that
1: yeah, the right to read bill um, and Senator Pat Billy Miller, who's right next to me, right right next to my district, I'm a huge, huge fan of. She was a big champion of the bill. Um, you know, look, it's based on the science of reading, you know, it's right there, capital, the science of reading. And I think that... There has been decades of, of research that have gone into how do students you know read learn to read best, uh, phonics versus you know context learning and there's there's a whole you know we need to go down the rabbit hole but I think that the bill first of all was passed by more than thirty other states um, was meant to address. Part of our education system that went awry nationally over the last 20 years was the complete flip side of this was the uh, national adoption of curriculum learning that that there was no evidence at all. There's no proof nationally that this was working Um, and it was hurting kids. And there's a whole backstory of the of a group that was promoting it. Um, And so what the bill is meant to do uh, nationally um, and state by state passing it is to try to get back to the basics, the foundations. Of, of phonics and what actually has been proven to work okay so that said uh, one of the best parts of Connecticut is we have 169 different we towns do. very uh, great proud towns and um, and we've an amazing education systems and what, some are some are less right right and so you know I the the district I'm running for it will be Greenwich Stanford and New canaan hmm and New Canaan and Greenwich uh, right now, you know, rank top in the in the state uh, for for the reading outcomes, and and Stamford, um, you know, is for a variety of different reasons, not not top, but but they have a great program. So, look, what I think, I work really closely with the Department of Education at the state level. As part of the, it was one of the agencies the governor asked me. Yeah, you're that's why I'm
0: asking. Yeah, responsible
1: for. I think we are in year two of this. I think that we always want to be using a scalpel, not a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's going to look different on the ground. It should look different on the ground.
0: But Greenwich and uh, particularly New Canaan, the superintendent of schools, was a guest on our show. Yeah. He was shocked that they didn't get a waiver.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm and I've been speaking with his team about it as well. And I just think look, my it's not a satisfactory answer. I think it's growing pains. I think that this is going to get worked out because I know the state has all the respect in the world for for New Canaan, for Greenwich, for all of our superintendents. I know that um, the I haven't met a single superintendent who says, I don't believe in the science of reading. I don't believe in fun. I've not met one.
0: No, that's not what this superintendent told us either. Exactly. But he said, we can show you results-based, evidence-based. Exactly. And we appreciate the creativity of our teachers. Exactly. And we feel that this policy will squelch that.
1: That's right. That's right. Exactly. So what the Department of Education is doing um, with Commissioner Russell Tucker is they continue to add more uh, allowable curriculum into the waiver process. So so now they're 16. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that I just, I've i worked with them. The list is going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. Um, so
0: what would you advise New Canaan to do? Would you advise them to continue to do what they're doing and wait it out and assume that eventually they'll get a waiver?
1: I do. That's what you would tell them. I think
0: just keep uh, doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, the people on both sides are such great human beings. It's going to work out. Um, okay. I do. Um, the I know we love what New Canaan has been doing, and I know that the superintendent believes in the science of reading. So it's just it's just year two, and it's it's going to work out.
0: We're chatting with Nick Simmons. We're going to be right back. Stay tuned for more on the Lisa Wexler Show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. And welcome back. We're chatting with Nick Simmons, who has thrown his hat in the ring. So, Nick, we haven't even had a chance to talk politics, but you are vying with uh, Trevor Crowe, and she came this close to winning last time around from Ryan Fazio, uh, but my understanding from the email that I have been getting is that she is still wanting to be the Democratic nominee. Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. So
0: it's between the two of you. And so are you now trying to line up local Democratic convention delegate support? Is that what you're
1: doing? That's where we're, it's that time of year. You know, we're coming up to the conventions in May. In yep. May. In um, May. And so, um, and, you know, we've been both uh, speaking, speaking to our parties uh, in Stanford, New Canaan, and Greenwich. Um, I've, I've been really grateful for the support and feedback I've gotten so far, um, you know, endorsements from state state representatives of Hector Arzano, from Hubert Delaney, um, for Laura Erickson, who was our Greenwich um, nominee for first select mm-hmm. for first select woman, is is my treasurer and supporting my campaign. So, I'm I'm grateful. Um, I'm confident moving forward. Um, I have all the respect in the world for for Trevor. She's a great, great, great person. Um, for me, the campaign. You know, the reason I'm running is just I've devoted my whole career, uh, twelve years, to public service. Um, you know, we spoke a little bit about You, you know. and your sister. Yeah, I have three. Must be
0: in your gene pool or in the, in the, in the dinner
1: table. Something's going on. Something's, <laughs> going, on. <laughs> Something's going on. I mean, I've, I'm one of five. Uh, so I have three sisters and a brother. And Caroline and I seem to have been the one to, to get the bug for whatever reason. Yeah.
0: How's she doing with her family? How's everybody doing? She's good.
1: She's a saint. I don't know how she's got three boys that Unbelievable. are... That oh, are boys. She has all boys. Three boys. Yeah. Now they're a little... But at one point, they was they were all four younger and 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 you know she had uh, her last son she ran pregnant, she ran pregnant. unbelievable ran, yeah i know i feel i feel like i should be wearing a pregnancy or something i just <laughs> I, I i don't know you know she's a she's a superhero so. yeah
0: yeah no amazing amazing <laughs> so uh so and what about will you primary if you don't win in the convention will you primary do you think trevor crow will primary
1: I think it's. I think it's too early early to 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 get into that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It was very close last time around. Uh, Do you think that Ryan Fazio was beatable this time around?
1: Uh, I, I do. I do. I think, look, I think Ryan, I also have respect for. Um, I've known him for, for a while. Um, but look, y- y- you know, wh- one of the reasons I'm running is I just think we need better representation in the, in the Senate. We, um, you know, I I grew up in this town. I've spent 22 years of my life in this district, um, born and raised right there. And when I was growing up... Where do you live? Which one of the towns do you live in? My wife and I live in Stanford, in just, Stanford. just over, over the border. But we're... We're all born and raised in, in Greenwich. My mm-hmm. parents are still in the same house they bought in 1985. All five of us born at Greenwich Hospital. Um, and you know, my wife and I we just had our first our Did first you? son. Yeah, so oh, mazel so him tough and, to you. How old is he? He's eight weeks. So your granddaughter. <gasps> she was born February 6th. Okay. So
0: you're January. Uh, January, uh, December?
1: Just after Christmas. Just yeah.
0: after Christmas. Yeah. It's so amazing, right?
1: Maybe they'll bump into each other maybe they down, will. down the road. I'm happy yeah. for you. Thank you. Nixon.
0: It's a pleasure to get to know you. We'll do it again.
1: Okay. Thank you for coming in studio. I feel like
0: we could talk for a really long
1: time. We could just on education alone. On education
0: alone. Nick Simmons on the Lisa Wexler Show. He'll be back. Stay tuned. News, weather, and traffic at the top of the hour. We'll be right back. Hold up.